Welcome to Not Just a Sports Report. Welcome to Not Just a Sports Report. Today it is time for me to jump into part two of my UFC Vegas 53 preview and predictions. I've already done the prelims podcast, so you can go back and listen to that whenever you'd like. I've gone through all the fights on the prelims, which I've actually just realized Australian time. The card is going to start about 6 a.m. It is 10 p.m. I do apologize, had some delays in getting this one out. Uh, not due to my, con- it was out of my control, unfortunately. Uh, I guess it's the best way I can put it. So look, it is time to jump into the main card today. But yeah, the card starts at 6 a.m., so only eight hours away. I am wondering, do I pull an all-nighter, maybe smash out a couple more podcasts for different things, or do I go to bed? and get up for it. I do have a big Sunday planned. Who knows? Who knows? I'm thinking all-nighter. I'm I'm thinking all-nighter. So we'll see. I will be releasing and recording tomorrow during the card my UFC fight night thoughts and comments for this card. Uh, JJ will be joining me. Not sure exactly what time because the card is starting so early in the morning, but I'll be going from the very first fight on the card all the way through to the bantamweight main event, which is going to be headlining the card that I am talking about today. It is Rob Font up against Marlon Cheeto Vera. Quite disappointed they did the weigh-ins today. Rob Font missing weight by about three and a half pounds. Really not good enough for a main event kind of level. And yeah, I'm a huge fan of Rob Font, but now it's totally changed the way I'm going to have to look at this main event because now that I go into it, knowing that Rob Font is significantly heavier than his opponent, well, that's definitely going to play a part in my prediction, whichever way I go. I'm still not exactly sure on my prediction, to be honest, now that this weight thing has changed. So I will dive into the main event a little bit later, but it is first of all time to jump into our middleweight main card opener between Poland's Christoph Jotko and Gerald Mearshart. I'll start with Jotko first. As I said, he is from Poland, 32 years old, Training at American Top Team, which huge for him. So many resources there. So many great minds in so many different aspects and areas of the game as well. So Jocko learning from the best well and truly. And he is a Brazilian jiu-jitsu brown belt. So look for him to utilize his grappling throughout this contest. But he doesn't want to get too happy on the ground because Gerald Mearshart, his opponent, is highly dangerous at locking up a submission. Speaking of Gerald Mearshart, nicknamed GM3, the American is 34 years old from Rufusport. That's his gym, not his location. And his style, well, he is a Rufusport kickboxing black belt. So very highly skilled in the kickboxing realm. And he is also a Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt. So high, high level in both areas for Gerald Mearshart. He is absolutely a fighter that I always enjoy watching. And he's best known for losing, getting blitzed really in epic fashion by Kamzat Chemaev. But look, <clears throat> Gerald Mearshart is a lot better than I guess that one highlight 
shows and what a lot of people kind of recognize him from. And Gerald actually created a new drinking game on the last pay-per-view where Kamzat was facing Gilbert Burns. And Gerald released a new drinking game that every time they show that clip of him getting knocked out by Kamzat Chemayev, you have to take a shot. So that'd be an interesting one. That would definitely be an interesting one. Maybe next Chemayev fight, we test out that drinking game, get a few shots going every time they show that clip. Now for Christoph Jocko, he has been a member of the UFC since 2013, with his last outing being a split decision win over Misha Serkinov, who has recently moved down from light heavyweight to middleweight, hasn't really been able to put it all together. So for Jocko, the split decision, look, it was a great step forward for him, but I don't read into that result too much. As far as Jotko's UFC record overall, I do read into that. 10 and 5. So pretty decent. He's 4 and 1 in his last 5 as well. So Jotko is in some pretty superb form. I think he'll definitely be carrying that into this weekend. And I always have a spot in my heart. Support the Polish fighters. I am, of course, of Polish heritage. I go for the New Zealand Polish and Australian fighters, those are the three nations that I really get behind or that I guess I identify as, as I'm Kiwi, Aussie, and yeah, grandparents Polish. So had the world war not happened, uh, I would have been Polish. So pretty wild. I guess I am still Polish. And you know who else is Polish? Krzysztof Jotko. So I will be pumped to see him in action, but he does have a very stiff opponent here in Gerald Mearshart. He is in fine form, is Mearshart. Three straight submission wins, and he's had 48 pro fights, so very experienced, always entertaining to watch as well. And Mearshart, 13 of his 15 appearances, ending inside the distance when it comes to his UFC run. So this one is very tricky. There's some great stylistic matchups, as there always are. This is one that's a bit of an underrated one. Like, I actually think it's going to be a lot of fun to see this fight play out. Jotko is going to be looking for his second straight win, whilst Mearshart, he's going to be looking to put together his fourth straight win. All of a sudden, he will have plenty of momentum, and I can see Mearshart stepping up to pay-per-view level, maybe on the undercard somewhere, if he can get a win here. Mearshart is going to have the slight reach advantage, and his most recent performance was a round three rear naked choke win over Dustin Stolfus. So Gerald is in or on, my apologies, I'm getting too excited here. Gerald is on an absolute tear. He is really starting to put things together and he is a little bit older, so time is of the essence. Mearshart's overall professional record stands at 34 wins and 14 losses. And the key stat for Mearshart 26 of his 34 wins have come by way of submission throughout his career. So 26 out of 34 wins by submission. That is a huge stat. I always highlight those ones where it is heavily in favor of one method. So if you're thinking Gerald Mearshart, well, submission could absolutely be the go here this weekend. Although he is the underdog, which is interesting. So Jotko heading in as the betting favorite in this one. Looking at the other win methods for Gerald. So overall, 26 submission wins, 6 knockouts, and 2 decisions. So another key stat for Gerald Mearshart. He has 32 finishes. 
from his 34 wins. So 32 finishes in 34 wins. If you're going to go for Gerald Mearshart here, then look. Decision is absolutely possible, but I'm not personally looking at, at, at it that way. Just too, too much telling me otherwise. Although it is a possibility, but I'm not going to be considering Gerald Mearshart by decision here. Considering every other option, though, when it comes to both Jotko and Gerald. Now, looking at the loss column for Gerald, and that's also submission-centric. So he has lost predominantly by submission, as well as winning with eight of his 14 losses coming by way of submission. And overall, Gerald's losses uh, contain, sorry, stumbling a little bit. Gerald's losses contain eight submissions, three knockouts, and three decisions. As for Christoph Jotko, his overall record standing at 23 and 5. 16 of his 23 wins have come by way of decision. There's your stylistic matchup. A absolutely credentialed, well proven over a long period of time fight finisher in Gerald Mearshart over someone over quite a long period of time himself has built up a resume that heavily leans on going the distance. So. There's the main question. Does this fight go the distance? If it does, well, that heavily leans in favor of Christoph Jotko. 16 of 23 wins by decision with six knockouts and one submission to his name. So as I said as well, Gerald Mearshart, the main method of he's lost by has been submission. Jotko only has one submission win from 28 fights. So... Man, there are a lot of things that could potentially be exploited here, and it's going to be up to both guys as to how they go away and they work on certain areas of their game and improve on certain things, because whoever's made the more improvements on certain weaknesses in their game, well, they are going to stand a huge chance of getting the win in Vegas this weekend. I'm really interested to see how this is going to play out. It's a bit of a head-scratcher as for which way. I'm going to go because I think Jotko can definitely get it done. If he does, I think it's going to be via decision. But I actually really like Gerald Mearshart in this fight. And I am a fan of Jotko. He is Polish. I'm Polish. Definitely going to be supporting him when I watch this. But I actually like the underdog here in this middleweight clash. I like Gerald Mearshart. I like the amount of submissions that he's been able to lock up. And I'm going to be backing him in to get it done here. So... I'm going to be taking Gerald Mearshart in this main card opener over Christoph Jotko. And look, Mearshart, it was just one stat that is so glaring. 26 of 34 wins by submission. I'm going to trust the process here. He is coming off three straight submission victories as well. So I'm going to be going Gerald Mearshart by submission over Christoph Jotko. There is your main card opener right there. We have another five fights to jump into as well. So look, there's a lot to cover, but in the main opener, I'm jumping on an underdog. Gonna go with Gerald Mearshart over Christoph Jotko by decision. Moving up the card and next we have two veteran featherweights going at it. Darren the Damage Elkins up against Tristan Connolly. For Darren Elkins, nicknamed the Damage, the 37-year-old American is a Brazilian jiu-jitsu brown belt as well as a very credentialed wrestler. So his main thing is that he takes a lot of damage, like he can take big hits and he's durable. He's not so much the best when it comes to the fist fights and on the feet exchanges, but very, very much in his element 
when the fight gets dirty, when it's an absolute grind. And he, yeah, that's where he works his magic, utilizes his wrestling and his Brazilian jiu-jitsu skills. Darren Elkins, a bit of a tricky quantity to work out because, yeah, he's lost quite a lot in recent times, but still, I rate him. I still think Darren Elkins is a very, very good fighter. He has been up against quite a high-level competition, and Elkins will be representing his gym team alpha male. As for his opponent, Tristan Boondock Connolly, I like that as a nickname, Boondock. Tristan is from Victoria, British Columbia, Canada, and the 36-year-old's gym is Ryan's MMA. Not sure who Ryan is, but I think I've heard that gym, so if someone can tell me who Ryan is, I guess I could look it up. I am the one doing an MMA podcast, but Ryan, uh, if you're out there, hit me up. And for Tristan Connolly's style, well, he is a stoppage specialist, predominantly by submission, but he doesn't like to go the full 15 minutes, Tristan Connolly. Whereas Darren Elkins, he's a lot more geared that way. So once again, we see a matchup on this main card where it's a prevalent finisher up against someone who's more in their element when it comes to the full 15-minute distance. Looking at some of the narratives, two experienced grapplers will be competing in what should be a very intriguing bout. For Elkins, he was blitzed with a round one knockout by Cub Swanson. That was crazy as well. I think I took Elkins in that, but... Cub Swanson, I think, was that the first first uh, card of this year? Or maybe it was the last card of last year? I can't exactly remember. I think it may have been the co-main event of the first card this year. No one quote me on it. But Cub Swanson absolutely blitzed Elkins. You, they, they do say as well, you're only as good as your last. And Elkins did not look good. Cub Swanson, though, he is an animal. Ah, here we go. I've got it in my notes. Very next line. Does pay to read my notes. That was the last card of 2021. So that was the co-main event and the last card of 2021. Now Elkins, he has 36 pro fights. Pretty experienced, definitely knows how to get it done. But let's talk a bit about his opponent, Tristan Connolly, who had a dream start to his UFC uh, campaign with a short notice Canada debut, stumbling and fluffing my lines. Here we go. And this was at welterweight. So this fight is a featherweight. The fight with Tristan Connolly made his debut in was at welterweight. And he beat Michelle Pereira, who I'm sure many of you know. Very, very quality capoeira background, Brazilian fighter. I'm a huge fan of Michelle Pereira. Well, Tristan Connolly beat him up at welterweight. Then that was like September 2019. He missed the entirety of 2020. And after that, Tristan Connolly dropped from welterweight down to featherweight, totally skipped lightweight. And yeah, wow, just a big, big change. We have seen a lot of fighters, though, make moves down and make really successful ones. I mean, Alex Volkanovsky, he's someone who's fought at welterweight. Now, in the conversation, pretty much the absolute top tier first pick as the featherweight greatest of all time. So look, we've seen... We've seen these moves become successful, and Tristan Connolly, he did undergo neck surgery, so maybe that as well, like just dropping down in weight throughout the injury. When he was back, that was last year in April. That was actually before he had his neck surgery, so I guess that doesn't line up, my theory there. So really interesting that Tristan Connolly, after beating Michelle Pereira, dropped down significantly in terms of weight divisions, but... It was a decision loss to Pat Sabatini last time out for Tristan. 
Pat Sabatini, very awesome fighter. We saw him last weekend or the weekend before. And look, Tristan Connolly, I don't have a great read as to what he's going to present here, but I would imagine he's going to present his best self and some real problems for Darren Elkins. Looking at the advantages, well, there is a significant reach advantage for Elkins. And in the grappling, I think they're actually quite even in terms of their skills. Looking at their recent form, or I guess semi-recent, when you consider that Tristan Connolly missing a large chunk of action in recent times. But Connolly has wins in five of his last six outings, so no doubt he is in much better form overall than Darren Elkins, who's had five losses in his last seven appearances. So winning form for Tristan Connolly over the last few years, whereas Darren Elkins struggling to get into the W column a lot, five losses in his last seven. That has brought Elkins' overall UFC record to 16 and 9. So still pretty decent when you consider that he's fighting on the biggest stage in MMA. But Darren Elkins really will be just desperate is the best word. Highly, highly desperate to get that win back because we do know that the UFC can be unforgiving at times and they're not afraid to, you know, not renew your contract or, yeah, cut a bloke. So Darren Elkins, a win for him this weekend is vital. And just quickly looking at both men's professional records. And we'll start with Darren the Damage Elkins, whose overall professional record stands at 26 wins and 10 losses. So he'd only lost once when he entered the UFC, entering the UFC with an 11 and 1 record. A little bit less polished now, but overall 26 and 10 for Darren Elkins. Looking at his losses, 5 of 10 by decision. So, look, he, in every respect, usually likes to go the distance if he can. But he has some finishes as well, and he has been finished. Darren Elkin been knocked out four times and been submitted once to go with his five decision losses. Looking at Darren's 26 wins, 12 of 26 by decision. As I've mentioned a few times, he's a sucker for going the distance. Can finish a fight, though. Nine knockout wins for Elkins, as well as five submissions. So, look, there's a variety of ways this fight can go. And like predicting any fight, anything can happen. It only takes one really good shot to put a guy's lights out and throw all talk of going the distance out the window. Uh, You can get caught in a submission out of nowhere as well. So it's really, really hard to know exactly what's going to happen and how it is all going to play out. But Darren Elkins... That record doesn't help me a lot as well because it's like, okay, well, fuck. Now anything is very much possible and everything's on the table as far as how this finish could occur. So that was Darren Elkins' record. As for Tristan Connolly, 14 and 7. So not the greatest record, but five of his seven losses have come by way of decision. So very hard to finish this man. The only two stoppage losses on Connolly's record, one knockout and one submission loss. But five decisions out of seven losses. That is a glaring stat when you consider that 12 decision wins for Darren Elkins is his predominant winning method. So that's a real danger sign, in my opinion, for Tristan Connolly. As for his 14 wins, nine of 14 wins by submission, four knockouts as well, and one decision. So 13 of Tristan's 14 wins have been stoppages. So if he's going to get it done here... I would be saying 
it's not going to be in a 15 minute affair. So sorry, stumbling a little bit. If it goes the 15 minutes, I think Darren Elkins wins. But if someone's going to get the finish here, I think it could be Tristan Connolly. Nine submissions is a really big stat, but Darren Elkins more likely to be knocked out. That's where he's shown weakness. Four knockouts from 14 wins. Still not bad for Tristan, so he will be leaning on that. But overall, it should be a really intriguing featherweight clash. It's time for me to make my prediction as well so that we can continue to move up this main card. I'm going to be taking Darren Elkins, and I'm going to be taking him by way of decision for everything I've just mentioned, basically. All the stats, everything you've just heard. That's the decision I've landed on. I think Elkins can get a finish, but Tristan Connolly, pretty resilient. Mainly has lost by decision throughout his career as well. Seems like a hard fighter to finish. So I have taken Darren Elkins over Tristan Connolly by decision. Okay, time for the next fight. My cat Teddy has joined me on my lap. You may be able to hear him purring. I was going to say barking. If you hear my cat barking, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. So what I do know, though, is that you may hear some purring. He is getting some scratches. You may even hear some scratches. So sorry. Sorry for patting my cat. It feels wrong. feels wrong to turn him away. Uh, He is 10 years old, so I'm like, you know, you only get so long. So he, he gets his scratches during this next lightweight scratch-featured bout. Uh, it's featured for my cat. This is the first one he's hearing about. And it is going to be Jared Gordon up against Grant Dawson in the lightweight division. Should be really interesting. For Jared Flash Gordon, he is 33 years old, the American representing Sanford MMA, which is a very, very high-level gym. Names like Kamaru Usman, Gilbert Burns, Michael Chandler have all, you know done their time there so it is a very very quality gym no doubt Jared Gordon is a quality fighter as well and he's got a mix of styles he's really good in the wrestling department and Gordon also quality as a boxer and he is a Brazilian jiu-jitsu brown belt he also earned those oh there you go we got a train and my cat meowing uh and you won't believe who Jared Gordon got his brown belt under that was under the legendary John Danaher. So that does mean a lot. I take that very seriously. As does my cat. Uh, He has started to move. Uh, There's no food, mate. Yeah, he's been up licking dishes and things on the bench top, mate. You need to just settle down. You can't be in here for the UFC preview and predictions if you're going to be losing your mind like this, okay? Okay, here we go. I think he's moving on. Not onto the table, please. Mate, this is your... There we go. I think I think you need to leave, sir, for the moment. All right, I'll be right back. He is in the mood for food, so... Yeah, he's not behaving. All right, let's get back to the actual action that is taking place. Grant Dawson, 28 years old, nicknamed KGD. He is American and from Glory MMA and Fitness, which, if you listen to my prelims podcast, there's another two fighters from Glory MMA and Fitness... Earlier on on the card, Grant Dawson, another one representing his team. So they are going to have their fair share of representation on the card this weekend. And Grant Dawson is a Brazilian jiu-jitsu brown belt, just like Jared Gordon. Maybe I'd just give Jared Gordon the edge on that then, I guess, because his was under John Danaher, who I just respect so much in his skill set and his knowledge. 
Jared Gordon as well. He's putting a lot of the pieces together, which makes him a pretty nice option here if you want to have a bet. Jared Gordon heading on this one with three straight wins, whilst Grant Dawson only has one career loss. So both guys building up impressive cases, but now it's time for them to go up against one another and show who is the superior man. Sorry, my cat was distracting me. All right, let me not fluff my lines too much. Now, Gordon, he was once undersized for 155 pounds, but he's really started to work on that, and now he looks like a very natural fit. In the permanent division, he's decided to call home the lightweight division. Gordon is now thriving full-time at lightweight, and his opponent Grant Dawson has shown that he is a very, very credible lightweight himself, but there have been question marks around change of camps for Dawson, so that was something I didn't really know. I read that in the UFC.com fight-by-fight preview, which is where I like to take some of just my ideas for narratives or things that maybe little parts that I hadn't picked up when doing study about these fighters. So UFC.com fight-by-fight preview. I want to give that a full shout-out as well as Sherdog.com because I get a lot of my information and resources from there as well as watching a lot of tape and finding things out myself. But yeah, UFC fight-by-fight fight previews are dope. They're short and sharp, and they get you pumped for what is to come. So I like to use some of them and elements from some just to, yeah, give you a better idea of why you should get excited about this fight. So that was something I learned. Question marks around a change of camps for Grant Dawson. And this is one of my own opinions. I think this is one of the fight-of-the-night contenders. There is a significant height and reach advantage for Dawson, so... I think this one, if it goes the full 15 minutes, Dawson should be able to use his advantages to, I guess, his advantage, right? That's why they're called advantages. But Jared Gordon, again, three straight wins. And he looks like he's figured it out. He's also called out Paddy Pimblett at times. So that could be a really logical next step. Jared Gordon will be sure to try and get the win here because he knows if he could get that Paddy matchup, well... There's money in that, and there's a real chance for him to make a name, especially if he beats Paddy. So really, really important for uh, Jared Gordon to get a win this weekend. But Grant Dawson has only been defeated once. He has had a couple of other things go down, but he has only been defeated once. So it is a very hard task. But let's not forget that Grant Dawson, in his last fight, the result was a draw. So I'll get to that a little bit later on, but... His last outing was a draw, so it's not like he's this invincible, undefeatable guy, but Jared Gordon, it is going to be a bit of an uphill battle for him to topple Grant Dawson, who seems to be the more favoured out of the two. Now, looking at both of their 2021 campaigns, two fights for Gordon last year, and just quickly before I touch on Jared Gordon's 2021 performances, I'll get to the two fights he had leading into 2021. Firstly, he had a round one knockout loss in Brazil 2019 to Charles de Bronx Oliveira, the current and defending UFC lightweight champion headlining the card next weekend against Justin Gaethje. So Jared Gordon being defeated via round one knockout Charles Oliveira before coming back in 2020 and getting a unanimous decision win over Chris Fishgold. In February last year, Jared Gordon got two straight wins with a unanimous decision victory over Danny Chavez before making it three straight with a split decision over Joe Selecki. So all three of his wins 
in this three-win trot, all been decisions. Two unanimous, one split, and Jared no doubt will be aiming for four straight victories when he enters the cage this weekend. As for Grant Dawson's 2021 campaign, he also had two fights last year. In March, he had the round three knockout win over Leonardo Santos before coming out in October and having a majority draw against Rick Glenn. I actually picked Grant Dawson to win that one. I did that on my preview and predictions at the time in October. That was actually the first ever month I did preview and predictions. And the draw threw me for six. I think it may have even been the co-main event of the evening. So hard to tell with that one. It makes it more tricky to work out exactly what is going to happen this weekend. And that draw ended an eight-fight win streak for Grant Dawson with wins in 17 of his last 18 before that draw. So I guess that stat makes it a bit more clear as to maybe who has the advantage in this one. He is the betting favorite, Grant Dawson, but I actually... I, I think Jared Gordon is a massive chance this weekend. It doesn't mean I'm going to take him, but I've been going back and forth on my pick for this one all week. And basically, I've been doing that for a lot of fights on this card, which tells us that the fight nights are well and truly back. Good strength of card. Really enjoying previewing this one. And I can't wait to sit down for thoughts and comments and watch from the very first fight all the way up until the last. Grant Dawson has a professional record standing at 17 wins one loss and one draw. The draw, as I mentioned, was last time out, with his one loss being in 2016. That was a 35-second TKO loss to Hugh Pulley. So I guess if you want to beat Grant Dawson, best way to do it, come out in the first minute and just try and get it done. That's what's been successful, but other than that, no one has found a way to defeat Dawson to date. And having a look at Dawson's 17 wins, 11 of those have come by way of submission. So he is a submission specialist. Four wins by knockout as well and two decisions. So 11 submission wins for Grant Dawson from 17. But here's a stat from Jared Gordon's four losses. He has never lost by submission. He's also never lost when going to decision. Very interesting. Jared Gordon's record 18 and 4. All four of his losses have come by way of knockout. So Grant Dawson, four of his 17 wins have come by way of knockout. So he could lean into that method, but Gordon having never been submitted. 10 of Jared's 18 wins coming via decision. So every time he's gone to decision, he has got it done. I actually think there's a huge chance this fight goes to decision, which all week has been leaning me toward Jared Gordon. His stoppages include six knockouts and two submissions. So, look, he's pretty good at getting the finish as well. But Grant Dawson, the only time he's been finished was that one 35-second knockout. Other than that, pretty much an unblemished record and the draw. Bit of a tricky one when it comes to Grant Dawson. But Jared Gordon has never lost by decision. That was what made it very hard to pick. I was leaning, as I said, toward Jared Gordon all week but as I come toward time to make my prediction in this lightweight scrap I'm actually going to take Grant Dawson and I was leaning toward knockout I know that he's predominantly got it done by submission but I was looking at maybe knockout but ultimately I think this is going to go to decision and that was kind of the head fuck because I'm like Jared Gordon has never lost by decision could potentially line himself up for a big Paddy Pimblet fight as well 
And it's like, ah, do I go against Jared Gordon if it goes the full distance, which I think it will. But that is what I'm going to do. This is the one I feel the most unsure about. But I'm going to be taking Grant Dawson over Jared Gordon by decision. I think this one goes the full 15 minutes. If it doesn't, well, look, I'm going to go Grant Dawson head to head as well. But as far as my official prediction, I will be taking Grant Dawson by decision. So that is one I'm really keen on the main card to sit down and see how it plays out. This is one where uh, not a lot of confidence in my pick. They've been really hard to pick this weekend, I must say. But taking Grant Dawson by decision, three fights on the card remaining, including our heavyweight co-main event and our bantamweight main event, Marlon Cheeto Vera and Rob Font going at it in a fight that has major implications for both men's careers and the bantamweight landscape going forward. So two huge main events, so I guess... The first one, the main main event, is huge in terms of excitement and fanfare. The co-main event, more huge in physical presence with the heavyweights. But firstly, there is another fight to get into in the featherweight division, and that is Andre Feely up against the Dana White Contender Series graduate, Joe Anderson Brito, who lost in his last outing. But other than that, in recent times, it's looked very impressive. So Joe Anderson Brito and Andre Feely. This should be a really interesting one. Gonna jump into it right now. Starting with Britu's profile, the 27-year-old Brazilian from Shootbox Gym Bauru. Andre Feely, also nicknamed Touchy, so Andre Touchy Feely. A uh, bit of an interesting nickname there, but I don't mind that. Andre Feely, 31-year-old American from Team Alpha Male. So that's another gym with a bit of representation across this card. And look, it's been tough times for Philly, not just growing up. He does have a bit of a storied upbringing that kind of led him to the combat world of sport. And look, it's been tough times just recently in terms of his fighting as well. He was winless in 2021, whereas Britu, well, he's been winning a hell of a lot in recent times, but he's aiming to bounce back from his setback. And that was the debut loss in his UFC campaign to Bill Algio. So look, there's going to be an interesting battle taking place here. This is another one that's actually really tricky to pick. And there is a major discrepancy in height and reach that favors Andre Feely. That, I guess, makes him the deserved favorite. But Joanderson Britu is still very dangerous. And I think he is going to be presenting a much better version of himself than what we saw in his UFC debut. Britu, of course, debuted at the start of this year in January, losing by unanimous decision to Bill Algio. And that ended a 12-fight unbeaten run for Anderson, which included 11 wins and also one draw. But no losses in that 12-fight run. So look, I backed Anderson Britu. I actually went for him to get it done. So that was one that I got wrong. Bill Elgio surprised me a lot. And a little bit disappointed with what Joe Anderson presented. Especially considering, look, he was dominant on Dana White Contender Series last year when he earned his contract. But... He did get an illegal eye poke in there, like he was the one doing the illegal eye poke. And there are kind of things in his game that I think could definitely be improved. So not exactly sure how this fight is going to go. Feely, last year in June 2021, he was in a contest that involved an eye poke, funnily enough. No contest. He was the one doing the eye poke. So look, if there's something I can predict here, I reckon we're going to see an eye poke. 
I, I wonder if there's a betting market on that. I reckon between the two of these guys, we are going to see an eye poke in this fight. Remember that. No contest last time out for Feely up against Daniel Pineda. And only one win from his last four for Andre Feely. His professional record stands at 21, 8, and 1 no contest. With nine knockouts in those 21 wins, as well as nine decisions. Three submissions as well, but look, he's well, well and truly versed at going the distance. And if he's going to get the stoppage, looks more likely to get the knockout. From Feely's eight losses, he's lost twice by knockout, he's been submitted twice, and lost four times via decision. As for Joe Anderson Britu, his record stands at 12 wins, three losses, and one draw. For Britu, his three losses contain one of each method, one knockout, one decision, and one submission loss. And for Britu's wins, he has 10 stoppages from his 12 victories, with 5 knockouts, 5 submissions, and 2 decisions. Look, if there's one thing I know, it's that this is going to be one hell of a fight. We may very well see a couple of eye pokes, maybe an accidental groin shot. Hopefully not, for both men's sake. Uh, but look, i got to make a prediction for this featherweight fight. This is another really tricky one to pick, but... Only just so slightly, I'm going to be taking Andre Feely. I think Joe Anderson Britu, there are a couple of question marks there that I would like to see answered before I back him in in a fight of this magnitude. And for Andre Feely, whilst things haven't been going his way for a while now, he will be desperate to get things back on track. So I'm going to be taking Andre Feely on this main card to get it done over Joe Anderson Britu by decision. So I think this one's going to go the distance, but... Uh, it's hard to tell. I think this is going to be one hell of a fight, another fight of the night contender, but taking Andre Feely by decision, which leads us to our next fight, our co-main event, the heavyweight scrap between Andre the Pitbull Arlovsky and Jake Collier. We know this one is make or break for Collier in terms of pushing toward ranked opponents and a future in the heavyweight division or, you know, just continuing to fight in the apex in, in smaller level fights look he's put in the work no doubt jake collier to get to this point and arlovsky's kind of that test gatekeeper i guess is used as a disrespectful kind of term but this is kind of the case he's keeping the gate of the top 15 and if jake collier wants to get in there well a great thing to put on your resume is a win over a former ufc heavyweight champion Speaking of the former UFC heavyweight champion, I'm going to jump into Andre Arlovsky's profile, nicknamed the Pitbull. He is 43 years old, and look, he's not in his prime, but he still looks really, really good. He's at the American Top Team gym, and since he's been there, they've really helped turn him around, and he's really an evergreen competitor. Hugely impressed with Andre Arlovsky. He's been around since I started watching the UFC, and Look, he had a spell out of the UFC in between stints, but his second time around, he's looked awesome. Like, I know a lot of fights have gone to decision, but at 43 years old, very impressive from Arlovsky, who is from Belarus, but fighting out of Chicago, Illinois. He will be up against the prototype Jake Collier in this co-main event, and the 33-year-old American will be representing Smith Pitt MMA. Now, Jake Collier, he is fought at middleweight, light heavyweight and now heavyweight 
and he fights still and moves like a middleweight, gets around really well for someone of his size, and that presents him as a problem for a lot of the guys in the heavyweight division. Although Arlovsky, a little bit slower now that he's older, but his evasion has been the key to him getting victories, so I think both guys are going to be very good on their feet, and I think whilst there will be intent for either of them to chase a finish, ultimately I can definitely see this one going the full 15 minutes. Andrei Olovsky is riding a three-fight win streak into this card, and he's also won five of his last six. So as I said, he is 43 years old now, but still putting together some really quality performances. His last three wins over Chase Sherman, Carlos Felipe, and Jared Vandera, re-establishing Arlovsky as someone, you know, still decent, still very decent and at a high level in the heavyweight division. The only loss in his last six was a submission loss up against Tom Aspinall. So look, I think we can forgive him there. And we've also seen that Tom Aspinall's next fight has been announced. It is going to be in London again. It's going to blow the roof off the joint. He will be main eventing. I assume it's going to be the main event up against Curtis Blades. That should be a good one. But let's first get back to our co-main event for today's card. It starts in a couple of hours. And Jake Collier in January earned his first finish since 2016 with a round one submission over Chase Sherman, who will also be appearing on this card, up against Alexander Romanov. Collier is going to have the reach advantage, but Arlovsky is going to have the experience advantage. So it must be said who gets it done, the prospect or the veteran who is a former UFC heavyweight champion, as I have mentioned. Looking at Jake Collier's professional record, it currently stands at 13 and 6. His 13 wins containing 5 knockouts, 4 submissions and 4 decisions. As far as Collier's losses, 50% of them have come by way of knockout, with 3 KOs, 1 submission and 2 decision losses on Collier's record. As for Andre Arlovsky, 33, 20 and 2, no contests on his record. It is his 56th pro fight with 33 wins, including 17 knockouts, 3 submissions, and 13 decision wins. As for Arlovsky's losses, 11 of 20 of them have been by knockout, which is to be expected in the heavyweight division. He was a bit more reckless early in his career as well, which is something he's really worked on and improved a hell of a lot, making him a definite threat in this contest. Arlovsky has also lost seven times by decision and twice by submission. So as far as how I think this is going to play out, either of them could win, but I do think this one is going to go to decision. As far as my prediction, look, I'm just going to make it right now for this UFC Vegas main event, co-main event, sorry. Uh, It is nearly 4 a.m. So recording a late one, my housemate has been thrashing music, so... I've had my notes written for days, but just so many interruptions, he's non-stop. So I'm having to do this one real late, but it won't be like that going forward, moving out in the next couple of weeks. But my prediction, Andre Arlovsky. I'm taking Arlovsky, but I definitely think Collier can get it done. Bit of a danger matchup for both of them and a good stylistic matchup. If Collier wins, then bigger things are expected from him. He will face a step up in competition. I would assume someone ranked 11th to 15th or something like that so look huge for Collier this is the biggest fight of his career to date 
And for Arlovsky, look, he's been there and done it all before. So I think that experience and the cool head, along with the great gym at American Top Team, I think those little things are going to give him an edge in what should be a very close fight. So in the co-main event, I am taking Andre Arlovsky over Jake the Prototype Collier. And I'm taking the Pitbull, Arlovsky, to get it done by decision. So that is the co-main event. And now that leaves us with only one fight. As it comes toward 4am Australian time, the prelims start at 6am. So I've left this one real late, but it is now time to jump in to our bantamweight main event. So let's get into it. Headlining this card, we have the ranked number five bantamweight, Rob Font up against number eight in Marlon Cheeto Vera. Now, as I mentioned earlier, Rob Font had his weight miss. Really, really, really not impressed with that. I know it's hard to cut weight. Well, I don't. I haven't done it personally, but I have heard from other people who have done it just how tough it is. And look, Rob Font, it's just not good enough in the main event. He needs to do better than that. And it is unfortunate for Marlon Vera, who has made weight. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to shortly focus on Rob Font and a little bit less than I'm going to highlight Marlon Cheeto Vera because Vera made weight. So I feel like I should highlight him more. So I'll quickly jump through Rob Font firstly, and then I'll jump into Cheeto Vera. And then I will go into my prediction for this fight night main event, which has been tainted a little bit in my opinion by Rob Font missing weight speaking of rob font he will be representing the new england cartel and the 34 year old is from massachusetts in the united states his style well he is a brazilian jiu-jitsu brown belt and he is going to need every bit of that experience up against a higher credentialed grappler in my opinion marlon vera but it should be quite close in terms of the grappling exchanges Ver, uh, Font sorry, has an overall UFC record of 9-4 and four, with wins over the likes of Sergio Pettis, Cody Garbrandt, Ricky Simone and Marlon Marias. His four UFC losses include one unanimous decision loss to John Lineker, that was May in 2016, then a round one submission loss to Pedro Munoz in 2017, a unanimous decision loss to Rafael Asuncao at UFC 226 2018 and his f- then he got on a f- sorry it is very late it's like 4am uh, and then Font went on a four win run really started cementing himself as a top 10 fixture in the bantamweight division before he lost via unanimous decision to Jose Aldo and look I actually picked Rob Font in that one I believe by decision or knockout I can't remember but he just couldn't get it done. Jose Aldo looked significantly better throughout in all the exchanges, the striking, the grappling, the cardio, and just, yeah, throughout the 25 minutes, Jose Aldo showed why he is still a contender inside the UFC and in a different division too. But look, Rob Font was up against a legend of the sport, so it can be forgiven, but he is going to need a bounce back in a big way against Marlon Vera. And as I said, not impressed at all by how heavily Font has missed weight by. Whoever wins this is definitely going to be back in championship calculations. For Marlon Vera, he's been steaming toward that kind of run for a while now. And for Rob Font, he was right about there before he lost to Jose Aldo. So he wants to get himself right back into calculations for a title shot and right in the conversation when it comes to guys who can step up and start fighting 
the next fight maybe to determine who wins a bantamweight championship opportunity but very very stacked division so it is a tough ask and plenty of other great matchups throughout this division for both of these guys the weight and reach advantage will be favoring font since he decided to miss weight he will have the reach advantage as well so some real real advantages here i do feel sorry for cheeto vera but he's a tough hombre and he is no doubt going to be up for this main event contest Looking at Rob Font's overall professional record, and that stands at 19 and 5. Let me quickly mention as well that his opponent, Cheeto, has never been finished across 26 bouts. So he's never been stopped. Rob Font, he can stop a fight, but also capable of decision wins. So I had a cigarette before, it's affecting my throat. Goodness me. 19 wins for Rob Font throughout his career. Eight of them being knockouts, four submissions, and seven decisions. As for Font's losses, four of five of them have been by decision. So, look, ah, it's tricky to know whether this is going to go the full distance or there will be a finish. But for Rob Font, this whole weight cut thing is really disappointing because now it does just change a whole lot of these narratives and aspects to the point where. Yeah, I just, it's not as, you know, I don't want to delve into it as much because I'm like, oh, well, he's missed weight. So, yeah, that heavily advantages him in what was a really, really close fight and great stylistic matchup. Looking at Marlon Cheeto Vera's profile, and the Ecuadorian currently resides in Irvine, California. The 29-year-old is a Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt, so he will probably be able to outskill Rob Font, who's only a brown belt, in those exchanges, and that could take Cheeto a long way to winning. The weight disadvantage, again, that's where it comes into play, because now Rob Font is going to have a lot of extra power, whereas Cheeto Vera is going to be a little bit weaker for cutting all that weight and doing the right thing and making weight, so very, very disappointing. Cheeto Vera, he will be representing RVCA, and he has an official UFC record of 12 and 6. The turning point for Cheeto was when he had the win over Sean O'Malley. That was definitely a win. It counts. A win is a win. And he looked awesome in that fight. And Jose Aldo lost followed that. But as we've seen, many men have fell, fallen to Jose Aldo. And then Cheeto Vera backed that up with the best performance of his career, in my opinion, with a unanimous decision win over Davy Grant. I remember that, I bet on Cheeto Vera, and I was very happy with how he performed. After that, November 2021, last year, that round three front kick, we all saw that meme, or not meme, I guess, but that vision, that still shot of Frankie Edgar's face when the kick connected. Ah, oh, it was unreal. It was brutal. He pulled it out of nowhere, and in real time, it was over. And, like The fight itself went for a while, but... Once that kick connected, it was over just like that. Like, blink, and you would have missed it. It was amazing from Cheeto Vera. Those are the kind of things that he can do in fights like these. And Rob Font, whilst durable, still needs to be very careful because Marlon Cheeto Vera is dangerous. Vera's overall professional record stands at 18 wins, 7 losses, and 1 draw, with all 7 of his losses coming by way of decision. So, as I mentioned... Nobody across 26 fights has found a way to stop Marlon Cheeto Vera. 
15 stoppages as well for Cheeto from his 18 wins. So he absolutely knows how to get it done inside the distance. You've got to believe that's how he's going to be trying to get it done here. And if it does go the distance, then looking at the numbers, that appears that that will favor Rob Font. So ever so slightly leaning toward Font. And then the weight cut thing happens. So fucking now it's like heavily, heavily in his favor. Really disappointing. But for Cheeto Vera... Seven knockout wins in his career, eight submissions, and three decisions. I've spoken about how the font side is really unfair, so you know what? I am actually going to be cheering on Marlon Cheeto Vera in this. Originally, I was going to be cheering on font, but now Vera made weight, so I'm actually going to be hoping that Vera gets the win. I'll be cheering him in the actual fight, but look, as far as my prediction, the the whole weight thing, yeah, it's just come into play, as I've said numerous times. Disappointing. I'm going to be taking Rob Font by decision over Marlon Vera in this main event. He's ranked higher. He's been in a five-rounder in his last bout and got through the full 25 minutes. I think he will have learned from that. He'll be stinging from the loss to Jose Aldo as well. And whilst Vera has a lot that he can offer, I think Font, just because of the unfair advantage with weight, not just because of that, but that definitely plays a huge part in me leaning toward Rob Font here. I think Font is going to be able to have the better moments across the full 25 minutes and potentially in the split decision. But overall, I'm just taking decision as my pick. So in this main event, UFC Vegas 53, bantamweight action in the top 10 between Rob Font and Marlon Chito Vera with a top five spot definitely on the line. So much at stake. I will be taking Rob Font over Cheeto Vera by decision. But as I said, I'm going to be cheering Cheeto on because he's the one that made weight. And I think he deserves the win here. But ultimately, my prediction and my pick is Rob Font by decision. So with this card now two hours away, less than, uh, it's pretty much time for me to wrap up. I'm already a little bit sleep deprived so it is going to be interesting when i sit down and do the thoughts and comments podcast i'm going to be sitting down from the very start of the card all the way through to the last and jj is going to be joining me at some point so it's going to be a lot of fun if you enjoyed the podcast today do not forget to follow us on instagram at not just a sports report and also follow us on whatever podcast platform you are listening on and you will be able to see as soon as the UFC Thoughts and Comments podcast for Vegas 53 has been released. But other than that, hope you enjoyed the podcast. Hope we can get some winning picks as I've been picking pretty well in recent times. So let's keep that form going. And until next time, enjoy the card and take care of yourselves.